All right, coming up next, in fact, right now, is Wabanaki Windows with your host, Donna Loring. Welcome to Wabanaki Windows. I'm your host, Donna Loring. This is a special edition uh, for Wabanaki Windows, uh, and we're going to be talking about the North Dakota uh, Access Pipeline. Uh, and we've chosen that subject to talk about because uh, the uh, mainstream media is uh, treating it as really not, uh, they're not talking about it. And there are some very important things happening with that pipeline that everybody should be concerned with. Um, I, my special guest today uh, is uh, Sherry Mitchell. Uh, she uh, is from the uh, tribal Penobscot Nation, the Director of Land Peace Foundation, uh, and uh, Native Rights and Environmental Activist. My other guest is uh, Dr. Rebecca Sockbasin, uh, here from uh, Alberta, Canada, and that's the other end of the pipeline. Uh, but uh, we've been having some technical issues here. Um, I'm not going to be able to use the phone. Um, However, I will say right from the beginning that uh, Amy Goodman uh, was served with an arrest warrant, uh, I believe it was Friday, and today I th she'll be uh, addressing those issues uh, with her attorneys, so she will be unable to <clears throat> be on the show this morning, but... Uh, I've gotten permission to play a clip uh, from her show, and uh, what we'll do is we'll listen to that clip, and then we'll, we'll move on and discuss the issue that she's talking about uh, in that. So if we can hear that, that clip. Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, we welcome you both to Democracy Now! Um, Chairman Archambault, we just came back from North Dakota, um, having filmed what took place on Saturday, which shocked everyone. The dogs and the pepper spray unleashed on Native Americans who were protesting or, as you say, protecting the area um, that the Dakota Access Pipeline is being constructed on. Can you respond to what took place? Thank you, Amy, for being out there. and. Um and, and capturing all the footage, uh, there's always two sides to the story. And uh, uh, law officials try to portray that uh, they were attacked by an angry mob and it was a riot scene. But it was, that was not what was taking place. Uh, we had uh, protectors who were concerned about the land. And it just goes to show what kind of uh, company Energy Transport Partner is. They have, they have zero... Uh, policies on community relations, zero policy on human rights, zero policies on Indian rights, indigenous rights. And so when, when a company is like that, they have no social responsibility and they don't care about anything. And, and they hire security companies with untrained handlers. And these handlers, the dogs are attacking the handlers. That's why they release dogs into the crowd. And then they go and try to recover them. It, it's, it just doesn't make sense and it's not right. Uh, what this company, Energy Transport Partners, is doing. Uh, they say they have every right to be there, but so do we. 
on Monday, a Dakota Access spokesperson issued the statement saying, we are greatly saddened and extremely bothered to confirm that unwarranted violence occurred on private property under easement to Dakota Access Pipeline, resulting in injury to multiple members of our security personnel and several dogs. It's unfortunate that what's been portrayed as a peaceful protest by the opponents of the pipeline has now turned to violence and intimidation by a group of criminals and activists. Assailants broke through a fence, attacked our workers, were working with law enforcement to ensure that all offenders are arrested and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Um, Chairman Archambault, can you respond to what they said? Um, the uh, county sheriff repeated this, though what was shocking also is that the local law enforcement were not there over this whole period, so they simply repeated what the company said. Yeah, the company provoked this whole thing, and law enforcement, uh, from what I understand, they observed everything. And uh, it wasn't until the, the company came forward and assaulted one of the, the protectors when the when the protectors crossed over the, the boundary. But if there's a question there, like, we, we always said we have a right to our treaty lands, and we have a say. The company, the, the U.S. government, the state government never got permission from us to be on that land, uh, to do this to our, to our lands. When you say protector, can you explain using this term protector rather than protester? The pro protesters is somebody that is uh, standing there um, waiting for confrontation. A protector is going to do uh, what it takes on the ground to make sure that uh, nothing negative happens to our indigenous rights and our indigenous lands. Uh, one, one other thing, Amy, is, you know, when the law enforcement came, they, it was it, it dispersed peacefully and the law enforcement only took statements from the security company. Uh, we had individuals, we had witnesses, and, and you exposed a lot of this with your coverage, but we had witnesses and we had people who had injuries uh, as a result of the confrontation, and we had uh, a lot of people with pepper spray, but the law enforcement said they wanted to do a thorough investigation. Uh, before they did that, they start releasing statements, and, and it's just uh, one-sided, by reports by the law enforcement. They should have got both sides. I mean, the use of dogs, you're the chairman of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. Have the state authorities or the county authorities explain to you how it was that the company security unleashed these dogs, both on leash and unleash them, on the protesters, biting a number of them. As people could see in the report we just played, you had a dog there whose mouth and nose were dripping with blood as the security guard who is holding that dog, even when I pointed this out to her and others certainly did, moved on to attack other members of the uh, other members of this protest. What has the county authority said to you about this? They have to answer to you. First thing I did was I, I asked the, the law enforcement, where did this company get these dogs? Was this something that law enforcement supplied? Uh, when I asked the question, they, they said no, they had nothing to do with it. The company uh, hired uh, somewhere someone to get these dogs, and, and 
there was a lack of training on how to handle the dogs. Uh, and they were using the dogs as a deadly weapon. And that's, that's something that needs to be looked into is who was handling these dogs and who, uh, whose dogs were they? And why were they, why were they being used? This was all premeditated. They knew something was going, going to happen when they leapfrog over 15 miles of undisturbed land to destroy our sacred sites. They knew that something was going to happen, so they were prepared. They hired a company that had uh, guard dogs, and then they came in, and, and they waited. And, and it was by the time uh, we saw what was going on, it was too late. Everything was destroyed. Uh, the fact is that they desecrated our ancestral grave sites. They, they, they uh, just destroyed uh, prayer sites, and it's, um, it's disturbing. And that's why we were filing for the temporary restraining order. They need to stop working. This company needs to go away. Energy Transport uh, Partners is a bad company. Energy Transfer uh, Partners is working for the Dakota Access Pipeline to build it. Okay. Um, so you get the, uh, the idea of how dangerous it is out there at this point right now. Uh, and the fact that Amy Goodman actually had these dog attacks on video and showed them on her show, Democracy Now!, um, I think uh, kind of rattled some cages and really uh, got some things out to the public that uh, they didn't want, that they wanted to be uh, kept sort of under the uh, umbrella. Uh, the, uh, they're charging uh, Amy Goodman with criminal trespass, which is a misdemeanor, uh, B. Uh, Cody Hall, who is the uh, uh, the head of the Red Warrior camp, they arrested him and uh, they charged him with uh, criminal trespass, uh, A and, uh, and B. Uh, the charges state that videos are being used as evidence against Goodman, in fact, her own video, uh, and against Hall. Uh, and meanwhile, all those passing through the roadblocks south of Mandan appear to be photographed and profiled by police. Um, censored news readers, uh, where I've got a lot of this information from, have identified uh, those responsible for the vicious dog attacks from their vehicle license plates. And uh, Frost Kennels in Ohio is identified by their vehicle plates. Uh, when the uh, Dakota authorities investigated this, they said that they couldn't, uh, they couldn't tell who the security uh, guards were. But the people on scene uh, just basically just took license plate numbers down and followed up and found some very interesting things about these license plates and who they belong to, and we'll get to that in a minute. But... Uh, Sherry uh, Mitchell, I want to get uh, your response. Well, one of the things that we haven't really talked about here is why they went into that area. The tribe had actually filed an action to have that area reviewed under the Historical Preservation Act because it was identified as a spiritual, cultural, um, sacred site, a place of historical and cultural significance to the tribe within 24 hours of them filing that action 
this company came in, like Chief Archambault said, and they leapfrogged over 15 miles of territory and went right to the site that was identified as the sacred site and the burial site. So they were purposely trying to antagonize the tribal members. They purposely targeted that area for desecration, knowing that it was a sacred site and a burial site. And um, this act of aggression, this act of violence against the tribe and against the ancestors of that region is, um, to me, at the heart of this issue. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, in the video, you could clearly see the bulldozers uh, digging up that sacred ground. And finally, the protectors got out and actually stood in front of those uh, bulldozers. And that's when they took the dogs out and, and let the dogs go. And these were vicious dogs that were even turning on their own handlers. And they had a heck of a time getting those dogs back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the question is, why did the person who documented all this stuff get charged with a warrant? And what's happening to this company that uh, hired the, the security that used such vicious uh, attacks? Well, as an attorney, I mean, the whole thing is very concerning to me. Um, they have these dogs that clearly did not want to go into the crowd because the people that were there were just standing peacefully. And those dogs are probably trained to respond in very different situations. The handlers were actually driving them into the crowds. They were hitting them and pushing them and driving them into the crowds. And um, I believe the dogs turned on their handlers because they didn't know what they were supposed to be doing and who they were supposed to be attacking. This is, um, you know, a case where you have incredibly reckless and um, ill-intended human beings that are abusing these animals. They should be held liable for their actions. Not only that, but you have the North Dakota police standing there watching them allow these dogs to viciously attack people. Why didn't they intervene? Clearly the people that were there were acting peacefully, even if they were um, crossing some imaginary boundary, which... I don't see how they could say that they were because to date there is no permitting. There's no clear authority for them to be there. The feds have intervened in this case because there are a lot of questions about how they ended up being able to be in that area. Um, And the day that this happened was actually on uh, Labor Day weekend. It was a holiday weekend. And so they came in on a holiday weekend after the tribes had identified these sacred sites and engaged in um, what can only be called a violent attack against the peaceful protectors that were standing in that land to protect the burial sites of their ancestors. And what's really disturbing to me, even more so than the dog attacks, which are very, very uh, disturbing, is that in the, uh, in the, when they followed up on these license plates and the, uh, and, and the pictures in the videos, they found, and they also did some Facebook searching, and they identified some of these people there um, as being a uh, as being former military uh, and uh, actually mercenaries who were employed by this company. Um, they they actually name a couple of them, and uh, and and went to their sites, and uh, you know they were bragging about what they did. So when you look at this picture, you know, you, 
you know, Facebook came out with a lot of stuff, and they did a comparison of the dogs, and uh, uh, and and I think it was Salmonella, Alabama, uh, where these they would use the dogs against uh, civil rights uh, protest. They're doing it now right. today against uh, Native Americans, um, and not only that, but you know. All I could think of when I saw the people running out in front of those bulldozers was uh, Tiananmen Square, China. Right. You know, we look at all these other countries and you know, these other things happening, and uh, it's happening here now, and it's being suppressed. And you say, what the hell is going on in a free country? Well, it's interesting that you bring up the civil rights movement because it was really clear um, a lot of the nonviolence training that I do, it was really clear that not only did the population become aware of how powerful the media could be in addressing these issues, but the media became really well aware of how powerful um, these public messages could be in addressing these issues. And so they have uh, systematically bought up all of these media sources that have these ties to these corporate interests, and they're all connected, as we all know. And they are doing a fantastic job of suppressing this information from getting out. And I think that's why we're seeing this slap suit against Amy Goodman, because she is publicizing this information. She is putting video out there. And this is what they're trying to control and to prevent. And I also think that it's important for people to recognize that the outcry to this has been significant within specific target populations. But the mainstream population is turning a blind eye to this. And this is a historical ignoring of indigenous issues where people um, turn a blind eye to the mistreatment of indigenous people. This is a long uh, history of suppression and genocide and violent confrontation with the indigenous people here, and they're still taking from us. Not only did our ancestors have to face this incredible violence, there was a massacre that occurred on that site. Not only did they have to, <clears throat> excuse me, face that incredible violence then, but they're facing incredible violence now when they should be being allowed to rest as their bones are being turned out onto the ground. It's horrific. And why aren't more people paying attention to this? That's the underlying question here is why do we still in this day and age have to stand and put our bodies in harm's way in order to protect what little we have left? It's just a, it's a travesty and it's an indictment on U.S. society. Yes. Rebecca? Yeah, <clears throat> um, I think for many of us as Native people, it's a painful reminder, like the use of the dogs is a painful reminder of how Native people continue to be treated as not being human. And, um, you know, it wasn't even until 1537 that the Pope deemed us as even being human. So it's um, the subjugation or the hiding of what's going on is, um, you know, is a pattern in history. And this is the point at which when we often hear, oh, it's just in the past, Native people need to get over it. Um, this is why mainstream society has that belief that Native people just need to get over it because they're not informed 
about what's going on because reality, it continues to be hidden. So something like Amy Goodman being, being um, arrested and for the media to not be covering this is an ongoing pattern that we have experienced as Native people. So just imagine this. Uh, late Sipsis from Indian Island once said to a group of us uh, young uh, political activists, she said, it's really something how often as Native people we think about white people. She said, and they don't ever have to think about us. White people don't ever have to think about us. And the media has a very strong role in that process. So there continues to be mascot issues. We continue to be identified as Washington Redskins, right? Um, dogs attacking our people. You know, these are ways in which society finds it acceptable or hidden to not, to, you know, to treat our people as not being human. So I would ask people to just stop and think about what's happening right now. There's over 5,000 Native people. It's the largest um, action um, in U.S. history, the largest gathering of Native people. That's over 5,000 people are over there. There's a lot of non-Native allies there, but it's predominantly Native people. They've come from all over North America, Hawaii, Arawangi, New, New Zealand, um, and they've gathered there to protect that land and to protect the rights, and they acknowledge the rights that our people have to the land. Um, and so, because this isn't just an Indian issue, this affects everyone. And so, imagine for a moment if that pipeline was going through Martha's Vineyard or Beverly Hills, they would, um, it wouldn't be acceptable. If this were going through a, a um, you know, an elite or even middle class, neighborhood, white neighborhood in the United States, people would uprise. It just wouldn't even be considered. Yeah, it wouldn't even be considered, much less if there was a pipeline that was digging up a military, a U.S. military grave site. The United States Army would probably, there would probably be veterans standing up like our people are standing up against these bulldozers. But that's not even an issue because it's like Sipsa said, white people, they don't have to think about us. They don't have to consider us. We continue to be thought and understood and taken up in society as not even being human. So this is an ethical, I mean, it's a legal issue. The United States has a fiduciary responsibility, which is the highest trust and legal responsibility to any group. And it transcends that. This is about the ethical. And this is why I believe Obama stepped in, because it is an ethical issue and it affects everyone. Well, there are different perspectives on why Obama stepped in, uh, both positive and negative. Uh, some of them feel that uh, <coughs> there was going to be a huge uh, event that would really make the news because people would be uh, probably killed. Um, so he stepped in to calm things down, but he, if you noticed, uh, they didn't stop the action permanently. It's sort of like, uh, let's just talk about this, which is something they always say, let's talk about this, until people forget it, till it's really off any kind of news uh, screen, and uh, then they move right on. So I don't think this is going to go away that soon. I think there were thousands of people there, and last count I heard, there was something like 8,000, So and counting. And, uh, and also, Black Lives Matter showed up. And they, they said something really interesting that I found really interesting. And uh, Kelly Hayes did an article, and, uh, and, and she, she says, you know, the reason that they showed up, she said, uh, 
they said they recognized the, the fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline is a critical fight for all of us. And this isn't just an indigenous issue. Water is life for all of us, and we have a responsibility to the earth and future generations to protect it. The history of genocide and stolen land and stolen labor in America will forever link black folks and indigenous folks. And let us be clear that two, the two are not mutually exclusive, as there can be no black liberation without indigenous sovereignty, which I thought was a, was a great uh, point. Uh, and I think that uh, for us to actually get heard or do anything and get seen, we have to all unite. Absolutely. And they're correct. I mean, the two pillars of conquest are genocide and slavery. And so we've really walked this parallel path. The um, I had an elder once tell me when we were talking about some of these issues because there's been some historical tension between Native peoples and the African-American community. I couldn't understand where that came from until I started reading some of the old slave narratives where, you know, uh, indigenous people in this country have really been the other that all others have been able to elevate themselves against in order to gain some standing here. And the way that the African-American population was able to do that was by killing Indians in, in the role of Buffalo soldiers. They were able to earn their freedom. And so our our groups were pitted against each other, even though we have this common history that's all tied to conquest. And when um, we hosted the Nelson Mandela Fellows on Indian Island uh, at the Penobscot Nation, one of the things that I told them, and I got really emotional about it, was how meaningful it was for us to be sitting there together, eye to eye, breath to breath, heart to heart, having these conversations after all that had been done to try to separate us. And I think that, you know, we need to recognize that that's happened across the board, that we've all been impacted by this violent history that we share. The oppressor, the oppressed, and the witness alike all carry the wounds of this violent history within them. And we do have to unite in order to address that. Um, you know, also, it impacts everyone because water is life, as you said, you know, Nibi Bamoswagan. And um, this issue of eco-genocide that has been plaguing Native communities for generations is now leaking out into the commons. It's impacting everybody. And they're taking everybody's land by eminent domain, um, which is a complete misuse of that legal principle in order to benefit this private for-profit corporation. That's what's going on in Iowa with the cases that are pending there and the people that are getting arrested. 30 landowners lost their land by eminent domain. And um, in other pipelines, you know, there's a, a Sable Trail pipeline in Florida that goes through Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. There are 160 eminent domain cases there, all for the benefit of these private corporations who can't even point to any benefit to the local public. The majority of these pipelines are getting this uh, oil to the coast where it's being shipped out to foreign markets. So any short-term reward is related to construction, and then people only carry the risk. They don't carry any benefit. And the risk to life is catastrophic, and everybody is waking up to that fact now. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's billions, billions of dollars 
uh, invested in this pipeline uh, by countless banks. Um, and uh, there's, uh, if, you, if people want to really look at uh, who's investing, uh, you know, they go to the Democracy Now!, uh, some of the shows, and they talk about uh, the, the corporations, and they actually give a, a, a breakdown of who the banking uh, interests are, and uh, it, it's it's really it's really amazing how many, and it goes from Goldman Sachs, Royal Bank of Canada, uh, Compass Bank, J.P. Morgan. Uh, Bank of Nova Scotia, there's like 30, 40 of banks with, uh, and they all are investing in this and they expect to get their money back. So, you know, it's, they're going up against uh, big, big corporations and big money. Really big money. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they've been able to bypass so many protective U.S. laws demonstrates how deeply infiltrated those big moneyed interests are within our political system, which is, you know, a whole other issue. Um, and I thought it was really interesting that President Obama was visiting outside the United States, and a question was posed to him from the audience regarding this issue, asking him what he was going to do to address the attacks against the indigenous people here, and he didn't have a clear answer and said that he had to go home and do his homework to see if they were doing things the right way. And it was very shortly after that when he came back and um, the federal government put a stop to it. People celebrated that pause. Um, however, we have to be really vigilant because this is just an opportunity for them to cross their T's and dot their I's. It doesn't mean that it's over. And um, this could give them an opportunity to move forward with even greater authority if we're not careful about what's going on here. So it's really important for people to continue to stand with Standing Rock. Uh, there are protectors working all over Turtle Island, all over the world. I was contacted last week by a group in the UK who's sending their flag here to go to Standing Rock because they want to support what's going on there because they're facing some of the same issues with fracking. And so we have to really pay attention to what's going on there because they're on the front line right now and they are being given this um, incredible opportunity to bring light to this issue for um, protectors all over Turtle Island who are standing at the same time. Um, so... You know, it's it's really critical that people not um, get too comfortable within this pause, that people continue to go. And I know that the lines um, going into Standing Rock are huge. We had two um, van loads of Passamaquoddy people who went yesterday. We have um, several Penobscot tribal members who are going to be going in about a week and uh, tribes from all over are continuing to send people in shifts, bringing supplies and support to them. And that's important because that's a brutal place to spend the winter. And they're going to need all of the supplies that they can get to keep them safe during those winter months. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Rebecca, and, and uh, I don't know if uh, Chief Francis, we had planned to have Chief Francis on. I'm going to try to reach him. Um, we have issues with our with our phone system here. Uh, so, um, Rebecca, if you've got some comments. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that it's, uh, it's also important for us to be reminded of what's happening here at home in our own home state, and perhaps the chief can speak to this, but... Um, Ultimately, what's happened is the the sovereign, um, the inherent rights of the of the Standing Rock tribe have been violated by the state. So uh, the state allowed the extraction to begin happening, and um, and that violates you know sovereign rights and fiduciary responsibility that the federal government has to the Standing Rock tribe. So what's happening in here in the state is right now we've got a, a, a case pending about water rights. And um, in here it's, you know, the estate of Maine attempting um, to uh, impede our water rights as a federally recognized tribe of the Penobscot Nation. And this is how, you know, these issues snowball um, is it's, you know, the state here in Standing Rock it, were the initiators of not honoring uh, the duty to consult that the federal government has um, to uh, tribal, federally recognized tribes. Um, and this is a major issue. Um, so I think it's important to acknowledge that. When I said that there were over 5,000 um, people um, protecting, you know, the land um, in this action, um, it's important to imagine the amount of people that is. Just in the state of Maine, we have just over 5,000 Native people. And so when I say that this is the largest gathering of Native people in United States history, indeed it is. And so um, it's, it would be like as though if all Native people in Maine um, got together and were at one um, action like this, protecting the land and protecting the water. So um, I just wanted to make sure that we were cognizant and, remind, and reminded of that this isn't just happening over there, that we have our own rights to water as a tribal nation that are eminent um, and that are happening right here in Maine. This, is, this isn't just happening somewhere else, but it's right here at home. So we need to stay tuned um, into what's going, on, uh, what's going on here in our own home state. I think that's really important, and we did highlight that at the action that we had yesterday, that, you know, we still have this ongoing attack against our own tribal water rights, which can be linked back to corporate activity. And, um, you know, we're well aware of that. We've been doing a pretty good job of educating people with all of our different, uh, within our different networks. And you brought up something else that I think is really important, which is consultation. Um, not only have the states and federal government been lax in their consultation requirements, but they've completely eliminated in recent years. This has been a really troubling um, c scenario where they've completely in eliminated in recent years the consent decree. So they've left the consent language off, the free prior and informed consent, which is a requirement under both um, – domestic and international law, and that piece needs to be looked at as well. Okay, we have uh, Chief Francis on my cell phone. I'm putting him up to the mic. Hopefully this will work. Uh, Kirk? Yes, good morning. It's working so far. <laughs> so so we'd like to get your uh, your take on what's going on out there in uh, North Dakota with the pipeline. Mm. 
Okay, Kirk, um, we're running out of time here. We were we got a late start. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it took us a while to figure this out. Um, but uh, but thank you for your for your comments. Um, and uh, we'll try to keep everybody informed on this issue. And uh, yeah, the tribe has you know has a, has passed a resolution. We have support letter. We're figuring out a delegation and supplies and that type of stuff. And Right. Uh, so, okay. So, when we've been getting uh, calls about uh, how how people can help, um, you know, there are various ways they can help. Uh, first of all, they can contact uh, the White House. They can contact their congressional delegation. Um, and there are other ways. And uh, I see Sherry writing some things down over there. So, uh, Sherry. Yeah, there are uh, two ways that you can send a cash donation. Um, the Sacred Stone Camp is sacredstonecamp.org. You can make a donation there. Uh, Red Warrior Camp is actually a collective of people who believe in meeting their prayers halfway through nonviolent direct action. And you can send um, donations there at www.nodapple. That's no D-A-P-L solidarity.org no dapple solidarity.org we're also collecting donations of blankets and canvas to help reinforce the teepees that are out there um, 
non-perishable food items. They need batteries and a number of other items. We're collecting those um, for the tribes. And like I said, there are tribal members that have been going out in shifts um, who are bringing those items out to the camp. So they can um, contact me on my Facebook site, um, which is www.facebook.com slash sacred instructions. And we can get those donations of items to the right individuals. And also, uh, for really accurate information, uh, you can follow the Honor the Earth website, and uh, we'll be posting other uh, sites on the WERU uh, site. So uh, with that, I think we are, we've run out of time, and thank you for turning in to, tuning into this, uh, this special uh, informational program. Uh, We'll see you um, maybe in a couple weeks. Again, we'll talk to you again on the regular Webinaki Windows show. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>